John, lot to talk about. ESPN strategic partner, cord cutting, Pac-12, Apple, MLS, NASCAR, ESPN radio. There's a lot to talk about. Andrew, you buried the lead. ESPN's NBA shuffle. I love both Martins. This one, the one in Miami, I like both McDaniels. Here in Minnesota, I would try to form an NBA team of, of brothers. You mean black guys? <laughs> no, I mean siblings. Okay. And we're back. The Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. And John, let's get it going. Who's up? Who's down? Who's up? Who's down? Andrew, let me lead off uh, this week. My who's up is David Burson, Sean McManus, the top two executives over at CBS Sports. And it's based on their alternate programming that they're going to have around the Super Bowl. They're going to produce the game for Nickelodeon. And what makes that such a big deal is that the Super Bowl has never before had an alter, alternate feed where people could go and watch it. And what you're going to see now is the NFL is going to aggregate that feed. I mean, it all depends on whether it's a good game or not, but they're going to aggregate that feed in order to, to have the highest audience ever uh, going th- uh, this year. Next year when NBC has it, who knows if they're going to have uh, an alternate feed going as well. But I want to give this to uh, CBS because can you think of an older school broadcast network than CBS? And here they are, the, the first ones trying something new with the NFL. They've, uh, they've already tested the Nickelodeon feed before. It's been very successful in terms of uh, bringing in uh, a younger fan base and, and introducing the games to uh, to kids in a, in a fun way. Uh, and this is going to be the first of many, certainly when ESPN has the Super Bowl in uh, four years, it's certainly going to have a, some sort of alternate programming to go around with, with, with the Super Bowl. The big question is, it hasn't been a big part of what NBC has done or what Fox has done. But next year, when, when NBC has it, you know, does this push the bar to where you know, they have the, maybe the housewives doing something around the, the, the Super Bowl or, or, you know, one of their uh, w- one of their stars there. I think this is a big deal uh, that is uh, going to inform how we watch the Super Bowl for years to come. Yeah, well, McNee Burleson, even a bigger star. He's been a big time uh, component of that success. Also, Noah Eagle, who I guess won't be involved with it because he went to NBC now to do the Big Ten. Uh, but uh, slime time on the Super Bowl. My who's up? Doris Burke. She's about to be promoted to be the lead NBA game analyst along with Doc Rivers uh, for ESPN. That means she will become the first woman to call the NBA Finals on TV. She's already done radio, uh, but that's pretty historic. Uh, That's never happened before in terms of the major sports in our country. Uh, And Doris has had a sensational career. She's already been inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, as a broadcaster and contributor. Uh, And so she's already had a legendary career, but now she adds to it uh, with the surprise uh, firings of Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. Doris Burke is my who's up. My who's down, Andrew. I'm going to give it to Jimmy Pitaro, but I could really give it to any single one of these media executives that are running cable channels right now. As I got my hands on the the Nielsen 
estimates for, for what the number of subscribers each of these channels have. And every single sports network is down big. And I think I'm giving it to Pataro because for the first time, according to the, uh, to the August numbers, FS1 is actually in more homes than ESPN, according to Nielsen. Um, uh, it was, FS1 is only about 10 years old. Uh, they're right next to each other. So, and they've been close to each other for, for several years now. So it's, it's not huge, but it is a, a certain milestone that, that, to put out there. One thing is since the beginning of January, since uh, January, 2023, until the beginning of August, the uh, pay TV universe has dropped 3.1 million subscribers. Just a, uh, so it's, it used to be at the beginning of the year it was in 79 million homes. Now it's in about 76 million homes. Just a decade ago, ESPN was in more than a hundred million homes. Now it's in 71 million homes. I, so as we keep talking about these rights deals and we keep talking about, um, you know, cord cutting, this is where you're really seeing it happen, uh, seeing the effects of it. ESPN is losing subscribers. They get paid conservatively about $10 per subscriber per month. So that's a, that, you know, close to 30 million uh, subscriber loss in a decade. That's a lot of money. So when we talk about uh, sports that are must have and sports that are you know, like uh, nice to have, that's, that's why they're making these decisions, not just at ESPN, but also at Fox and also at, you know, the league owned networks and, and, uh, and NBC and, and the Turner network. So it's a, it's a big problem. And we just saw what the numbers were for this year. And it shows that the, the ceiling, the um, floor for cord cutting, we're not even close to it yet. Offhand, what does FS1 get per month? FS1 is in 70. Oh, uh, for, in terms of a license fee. Yeah. Um, at much, much less than, than ESPN. So ESPN is much healthier than, uh, than FS1. Uh, ESPN is up around 10. And my guess would, I don't want to guess, but uh, ESPN, uh, FS1 would be certainly under five. Yeah, yeah. All right. So big spot, put you in a big spot, a little Russo action there. When I put you big spot in terms of what the exact number was uh, in terms of financials, <laughs> Google it while I do my who's down. Uh, my who's down, Mark Jackson. Uh, ESPN had a tremendous NBA finals team. Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, and Mark Jackson. Van Gundy was let go at the end of June. Now Jackson goes uh, this week. Uh, I, I wrote about uh, the fact that Doris Burke and Doc Rivers were going to get promoted. There was a chance it looked like that Jackson could move back to the second team, maybe the third team. ESPN very much likes Richard Jefferson and J.J. Redick as an analyst combination. Uh, but instead, Jackson's gone. Uh, he's had trouble getting another coaching job. Uh, you know, he and Van Gundy have both, you know, looked into coaching jobs. They have not gotten them. Uh, so I don't know if that's going to be a great option for Mark Jackson after, you know, at Golden State, he got very unlucky uh, to be let go right before they created a dynasty, which they may have or may not have created if he had uh, maintained uh, that coaching position. But tough spot for Mark Jackson. Uh, I thought his Instagram post after uh, became official that he was let go was classy. Uh, but uh, but he still gets my who's down. All right. So let, let's use that as a, a springboard to our uh, first topic, which is this ESPN NBA shuffle. And we are both in agreement that Mike Breen, Jeff N. Gundy and Mark Jackson was the number one uh, 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 announcer team for the NBA, uh, considering NBA TV, Turner and, and ESPN. 
why did ESPN make these decisions to blow that up when it, when it was, it had a good thing going? Well, the first thing is the layoffs. I mean, they're trying to get to a certain number. I mean, we've never found out what number that is, but in terms of how much um, salary they need to trim. So uh, I do think Van Gundy was making close to three, even though he took about a 40% pay cut uh, a couple of years ago. And Jackson probably was in that same neighborhood uh, you'd expect. Uh, and so, uh, so that's one reason that's a way to save money. So that's number one. Number two, um, this is what I was told in terms of Van Gundy. There was a feeling that he wanted to coach. And even though he hadn't gotten, he'd been there for 17 years, you know, he had talked about it a lot. And so uh, I don't think that rubbed some people the right way in the high positions. And then the other big thing now, again, the NBA had no edict uh, to ESPN to get rid of Jeff Van Gundy. But I do think the fact that the NBA did not like Jeff Van Gundy that much because he was critical of officiating, et cetera. I don't think that was a great thing for Jeff Van Gundy in terms of keeping his job. I think you add all that together and they make the change. Um, and the NBA does like the idea of Doris Burke uh, and Doc Rivers. All right. So if I'm Mike Breen and I'm the last person standing should I be concerned about him uh, sticking on or is, is he, he set as the number one announcer for the NBA? Well, let's like, not, nobody's set right now, right? Because we just keep going. Now he's set. I mean, Mike Breen, uh, along with Iron Eagles, the standard in the NBA, in my opinion. Uh, and so I, I don't, he's not going anywhere. It's going to be Breen is going to be the lead guy. But I will say when you look at the history of this, and this is going way back and I don't remember the exact years, but there was a time before Van Gundy got in there where Mike Tirico was right on the heels of Mike Breen. And I think there's a chance that they could have made a change if uh, the that crew didn't really get up to what they wanted it to be. Not that Breen wasn't doing a good job. He's doing a very a solid, strong job. But it is a team. I talked to Breen um, this week, you know, after the firings. And you know, he talked about the chemistry that they've had. They, those guys have known each other for three decades. And that allows you to go places on the air that makes it much easier when you're comfortable with each other. Now, uh, Breen does know uh, Doc. They're close friends um, for a long time, and, and he and Doris have worked a lot together. Uh, but they're still going to have to you know, get their feet under them. I think that team could be good. Don't get me wrong. I think that team could be good. I think it's a pretty good choice uh, by ESPN. I still don't think I wouldn't have broken up you know, a team that's done so well for so long, um, and it's just been a part of the NBA's top event um, forever and just had a good thing going. So I wouldn't have changed it, but um, you know, there's the financial aspect and then these other issues. And I think they all added up uh, to why we're at this point. You know, we're starting to see the uh, Jimmy Pitaro's vision of ESPN and it's getting more concrete now. And it's all about, uh, or it's not all about, but it's mainly about the live games. And I think that, you know, if, if you're and in Pat the Live and, Pat Pat <laughs> and Scott Van Pelt and Stephen A. Smith. Now, there are a couple of the untouchables, yep. but you're, you're going to prioritize a live game. So if you're sitting in ESPN's executive office, you've got to be thinking, OK, how many more people can we get to the NBA finals if we switch out, uh, you know, uh, Van Gundy and, and Jackson? And I, I think that they're thinking that the ratings of viewership would primarily be the same. So let's let's, you know, stick with. Uh, let, let, let's make a financial decision. Um, what I find to be really interesting about this is that I can see ESPN making this decision across sports, but it is exactly the opposite decision that they made 
with regards to the NFL, where they went out and and brought in the most high priced talent in uh, Joe Buck and uh, Troy Aikman to try to build up uh, Monday Night Football. So you can see sort of where they're going. But there are there are certainly going to be exceptions to the rule, as we saw with uh, Monday Night Football. And like you pointed out jokingly, but as, as we saw with Pat McAfee and and, uh, and some of the other contracts that they give there. Well, yeah, I, I don't think they're really thinking about ratings in this move, uh, you know, but I think it, it was money. But the problem with the money issue and now this is something I've written about, like, I'll, I'll never understand how these write offs work. Right. Because they still have to pay Mark Jackson. They still have to pay Jeff Van Gundy for the next two years. They both have two years left on their deal. So they got to pay that money. That's actual money they, in theory, unless there's some kind of offset and they get other jobs or something, they have to pay. Then you would think Doris Burke might get a raise here because she's going to do the finals. So she might get a raise. And then Doc Rivers, you're going to have to pay. Now, we don't know the exact financials. Doc Rivers is owed, I think, around $16 million from the Sixers. So maybe there's an offset there as well. So he's getting less money. But like, like, I don't know. I'm not on Wall Street. I know we have some people on Wall Street who listen to us. I don't really understand how that's better for a company to spend. That seems like more money to me. And I, you know, I didn't major in math or anything, but wouldn't that be more money instead of less money, actual money, not like write off money and like the little tricks you can make. Am I missing something, John? You're, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's Wall Street money. It's different than, than, uh, than the money you're used to. It's a, <laughs> it, it looks good to, to, to Wall Street to make these moves. And, 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 uh, and all of a sudden, like you can, Put everything, you know, front load it. Put everything in one year, and okay. uh, you don't have to worry about it as much. All right, I'm sure it makes some kind of sense on the books, but to me, it doesn't make human sense in terms of like the actual money that you're spending. Like, I'm going to try that, like with my like paying a bill. Like, you know, it's like a theme theory. Like, no, this is a write off. Okay, I, yeah. this is a write off. I don't even know how I make that argument. Let's move to the next topic. All right, something we've both written about: uh, ESPN strategic partner. Um, I wrote something this week in terms of in my newsletter on Mondays in New York Post Sports Plus, uh, where I said that uh, I think that they're going to end up with a digital player, or at least that's the goal. Um, and the reason is because of distribution in the next frontier. Um, and it has to do with something that we've been talking about um, for as long as we've been doing this podcast, even though some people just found out about this thing called direct to consumer, um, some other pu publications, but anyways, the, uh, should I not say that? <laughs> anyways, so I just keep it in there. All right. Yeah. The, uh, I like, yeah, like if, if there was a verbal hashtag, I would do hashtag shade on that or okay, something. Like you know, that. Anyway, nah, it's not, it's fine. It's just some places act as if like they found something when it's like, no, we've been staying and talking about this for a couple of years. Girl, the shade, the shade of it all. But anyway, um, direct to consumer, that's going to come by 25 or at the latest 26. So when you look at it, I, I, I look at Apple and I think they're, you know, obviously Apple's always pointed out as a great place, but I do think it does line up. Can you do a deal with Apple if you're ESPN, if you're Bob Iger, or you're Jimmy Bataro? I'm not sure, but do those two line up perfectly in terms of what I think Apple's goals are in sports and what ESPN is trying to accomplish? They do. You know, when I think of, of a company like Apple and, uh, and doing a deal with with ESPN, I just look at Disney. I mean, I think uh, like uh, that if, if Apple's going to get involved, I can see them taking an ownership stake in Disney or buying all of Disney instead of just ESPN. Do you think about Disney? They're, uh, they're probably the greatest content factory of our of our of our lives, uh, you know, going back, you know, a, a century. Um, Apple needs that for Apple TV plus. Apple has the deep pockets for it. We know back in the day, Steve Jobs and, and Iger at, at once had had uh, 
talked about sort of g- getting together there. So uh, having Apple come in as a strategic partner only for ESPN, yeah, I guess I could see that happening. But I, I would think that Apple would have bigger designs on its plate than that. One thing that I, I found to be um, uh, really interesting is the news that broke. I believe uh, Matt Bellany of Puck was a guy that got this out. Um, Tom Staggs and Kevin Mayer uh, were have been hired by Bob Iger to be consultants on ESPN and to sort of figure out uh, what, what they're doing. They're both with a, uh, a production house called uh, Candle Media, which is uh, funded by a private equity company, the, the Blackstone Group. And, and they had been at uh, Disney before and they uh, got, got run out when I think they, they realized that neither, neither one of them were going to be, become uh, uh, Iger's replacement. What I find to be really interesting about that is if Mayer had stuck around Disney, our little bet about when uh, ESPN would go direct to consumer would have already happened. We wouldn't have even had our bet. So if, if Mayer is taking a, taking a look under ESPN's hood, and if Mayer has uh, enough sort of sway or power to get this done, Disney's going to go direct to consumer sooner than a lot of people think, I, I believe. Yeah, and I think 25, 26. And can I say one more thing about Apple? Um, it's just why I think it does make sense, though. If mm-hmm. Apple's goal is to sell subscriptions globally, right? They don't really, they don't seem to be that interested in production. They're interested in selling subscriptions globally. That is a good, if it was like, I, I've said this before, if it was an even playing field, everyone is at zero right now, I would bet on Apple. They have the most money. That plan does make sense when you sell subscriptions globally, especially if you were able to get the major sports. The problem is these deals don't come up that often. And when you do, you're not guaranteed getting them. ESPN has the best sports portfolio of anyone uh, in terms of tonnage, in terms of major events. Uh, you know, there's others that the others, Fox and NBC and CBS, they all have a lot of great marquee events and have great portfolios and Turner sports. You can't forget about them. They're always kind of underrated with this stuff. They also do, but ESPN has the most and the best. That to me is why that, works like if you want to sell global subscriptions espn makes a lot of sense if you're trying to sell sports in that regard because they're the leader and they're they have the most stuff and to me that's where it makes sense can you do a deal with them i I mentioned amazon you know t-mobile there's a million digital companies but i do think that's where that is going to go um because they want to solve distribution and just the history of media we all know this is that dating back to the printing press is is distribution is why people win, right? That's why like the newspapers that 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 succeeded won because they could they could get their place their paper to places that others couldn't. That's why cable came in and ESPN won because they figured out distribution and how to get paid the most for it very quickly. Um, that's why broadcast is doing well. Amazon is great in distribution. Apple is great in distribution. Um, so. That's why I think it's going to be, you know, that's at least the goal to have one of those companies. Now, do they get in business? There's a lot of egos and negotiations and fine print, but I do think that makes a lot of sense. Did I sell you on that? Only on the Mando pod are we going to go back to the printing press. That's great. We're going to dish facts on the print printing press a couple hundred years ago. No, I I agree with everything that you said that you say. I just don't. I, I just believe that Apple, if they if they get in. Would want would want more content than just sports. They 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 they're eager for content. Yeah, maybe yeah, who maybe a, it's a bigger deal. And who has a better global brand than than Disney uh, the, to to do that? Um, 
I think that what 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 I've learned or just from talking around the different people is, you know, when Iger made his comments, uh, I don't think it, it doesn't look like he had a company in mind and it didn't look like he was sort of at the ending stages of talking to a company that it was going to be it's going to be announced in the next couple of weeks or, or months. I think we're, we're at the very beginning stages sure. of this. And that's why we saw reports about the leagues, uh, you know, having some talks about it and uh, and you know, digital companies and, and private equity and, and uh, every, everything else. Uh, and so sort of I what what we're going to have to see is where what Bob Iger, like what he prioritizes and does he prioritize that distribution or does he prioritize sort of somebody coming in really strategically and trying to redefine that, you know, how, how ESPN is going to be reaching consumers over the next couple of years. All right, let's bring it into the next topic, cord cutting. Uh, you had in your newsletter on Monday evenings, uh, great statistics about what each um, network, where they're going down and the acceleration of cord cutting, which Bob Iger mentioned during his CNBC interview, it's going faster than they anticipated. Um, so just, you know, Having read what you said, tell me, give me your overview and what should we know about what, what, where do you think, what's the trend here? What are we seeing? You know, the, the trend actually got started in that, that Iger interview, which we we're now, we've now spent probably a month talking about Iger's interview with CNBC. He, he just said so many unique things, but one thing that, that just really stuck with me is that he knew, like he was at Disney. He, he saw cord cutting happening. Uh, I, I know, uh, ESPN's affiliate group, um, you know, they're, they're, they're the group that that sells the network to cable cable systems or satellite systems or these, uh, you know, YouTube TVs of the world. They knew a, a more than a decade ago that uh, that they were at the high watermark and it was going to start to drop off. So cord cutting is not a surprise to anybody. But what Iger said on that CNBC interview is that when he came back, he was shocked that it was even worse than than he was uh, than he thought it was, and it was even worse, uh, and it was um, exponentially worse than when he left. And so, you know, it's it it appears to be in a free fall, and um, and we can see if you just take a look at SBJ Media, we we have all the sports networks, we have the 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 numbers from January compa compared to the numbers from August, there. All they're all down. Like True TV is down four million uh, homes uh, th this year. Tennis Channel is down close to two million homes uh, th this year. Everybody has, has dropped this year. And the thing that that, that really has been surprising to me is, um, you know, we've we've talked in the past about how ESPN and Fox really tried to keep their cable channels and broadcast channels together so that, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't see ESPN programming on uh, direct-to-consumer or you wouldn't see Fox programming on, uh, on direct-to-consumer. And they really tried to keep the cable bundle healthy, um, as opposed to CBS, where you can watch a CBS NFL game on Paramount Plus, or you can watch uh, Sunday Night Football on, on Peacock um, as well. And so those two networks had their uh, programming spill over to the direct-to-consumer and they weren't hurt at all by the distributors. So the, the distributors didn't take sort of a pound of flesh out of those two uh, those two companies. And so if I'm Fox and ESPN, I, I can look at that and say like, wow, I can now start to build up to direct to consumer a little bit more. And so I think you're just seeing this happen. And, and uh, the numbers that, that we show just show the free fall and wh where the, the where the floor is 
Nobody knows, but it's going to be a lot lower than you and I both thought it was going to be. Yep. And direct to consumer for ESPN, though, 25, probably the earliest, 26, the latest. Um, just to put that. Yeah, um, I might. I tell you what, I might rebet you and take take the uh, the uh, the under on that. I, I think it might. Like you think again, it, I think it could be twenty four. Yeah, right, you think twenty four? All right. Well, I will. You want to want to go double or nothing? <laughs> I have nothing to lose now, right? True. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think it's gonna be twenty four. But all right, Andrew, we are uh, taping this podcast on Tuesday afternoon as the Pac twelve is meeting with university presidents to go over uh, you know, what a media deal is likely to look like. Um, we don't know yet what that deal is gonna look like. We don't know who's gonna be involved with that deal, but we know that it's, uh, it, it really does appear to be a mess right now. 100%, well, here's the thing. We said this last week um, before the Colorado news where they left um, the Pac-12 for the Big 12 um, is that if things are going to go poorly, as a lot of us have been reporting, not rooting, this for, to be clear to all the Big 12 faculty people, reporting, uh, this is how it transpires, right? You just, you keep missing deadlines, you keep promising and then not being able to deliver, teams leave. Like, I don't think Colorado, you know, I did something in April where I said, watch Colorado. That wasn't because, like, I you know, it was tipped off to something. It wasn't as some like kind of guess, I think. And I don't think Colorado left there um, not having an idea of what the Pac-12 might get. So yes, we're talking right now. There are some rumors in terms of what it might be, but by the time this podcast comes out, it should be known in terms of what um, was offered. Um, you know, look, there's a lot of places we know are not going to be involved, um, but, uh, you know, and, you know, I guess it's possible Apple, um, which doesn't really solve if it's just streaming, doesn't solve the issue that, you know, the PAC 12 has said their presidents um, have said that they want linear. Um, and so that's an issue if it's just streaming. Um, and also the other thing with Apple, and this is what getting back to what we're talking about with ESPN is this, their base of subscribers is not great. Like you compare it to Amazon, for example, Amazon, again, they all keep these numbers kind of secret, but it's in the hundreds of millions in terms of their um, Amazon, Prime Video and their Prime service. Um, and Apple's much lower than that. I don't know exact number um, off the top of my head, but it's much lower. Uh, and so, uh, and how many people are going to get the Pac-12? I mean, it doesn't really fit to what they're saying too. They want to sell um, subscriptions globally. Um, and so, and look, it, it might be worth it for them to dip their toe into college football, but the numbers I think will be low. And I, I do think there's a very good chance that there'll be more expansion. And the other problem, I, I think, if you're a Pac-12 school, um, with these deals is that once you fall behind in the TV game, it's hard to come back. Now the big 12 with Brett Yarmark just made one of the great comebacks in college football history. If I was more of a college football aficionado, I'd reference some game, um, but I'll reference um, the uh, bills or the bills, bills Oilers, or is it bills Titans when they came back uh, that game, you know, the, the uh, you know, one of those type of comebacks that the big 12 has just had. All right. Let's just present. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, just a quick question oh. uh, that it was the, uh, the bills Titans uh, or was it the bills Oilers? I forget who was the quarterback that made the comeback. I, I can't, it, it was bills. It was bills Oilers. Bill? Uh, bills Titans was the music city miracle. Music city miracle. That's what I was thinking. Music city. Miracle. But I know what you're trying to do, John. I know. Thank you, AC. Let me, let me, let me see this to the end though. AC, why wait, wait, say it again. What was that last part? 
he he knows where I'm trying to lead you on this. Oh, where are you trying to lead? Oh, Frank Reich. <laughs> Frank Reich, Maryland. And who had the biggest who has the biggest oh. comeback in the history of college football? Yeah, Maryland. Who are they playing? At, uh, uh, Miami, Frank Reich, 1984. The whole team suggested that uh, we call Frank Reich Frank Lloyd Reich, the architect of comebacks. I was in I lived in Miami when that happened. I was a huge U of M Hurricane fan. All right. Enough of that little we we uh, uh, going, going down memory lane that we was digress. great all right so the point is well, the, you know the one thing though is uh, uh you know in in app and if it if apple is in play and i i what what we've heard is they could be in play we we don't know yet um one of the things that larry scott uh the previous commissioner of uh, the pac-12 always said was uh, how international the uh the um colleges within the pac-12 were and the, he used to try to have games in asia and, and, and he would uh in fact the pac-12 networks he tried at some at, at some point to get over in, in into asia so if you're if you're apple you know perhaps that works for you you know if, if you can think about like get, getting international in, in in that sense i don't know if losing us ucla and usc is, is necessarily going to hurt that at all um I, I mean the big question is going to be if it is Apple uh, that, that that gets in there, what's the money going to be, and will some of these colleges want to want to go behind a paywall to a streaming service when uh, when uh, right now currently in 2023 people still prioritize broadcast television and linear television? Yeah, and also how, yeah, exactly. So how do your boosters react to that? How does your recruiting act to that? And I know you could say the young people all have iPhones, and so maybe they like Apple, maybe, but I still think. You know, we could talk about it. Look, I, I'm totally on board with Instagram, TikTok, uh, what we call it, X, um, Facebook, all these things. Um, very hip mentioning Facebook. The, um, but there is still something to be said that people like to be in mainstream media. I could, I just see it at the post. You probably see it at the Sports Business Journal. People like there's something that still gives them, even people who are younger, there's something about being in a newspaper, something about a big uh, place that's been around for, you know, hundreds of years. There is something to that. And um, it might be the future, the games being on Apple and streaming services. But I will say, I think young kids want to, they grow up on ESPN and Fox and CBS and NBC. I think that's where they want to be. That feels big time. Um, Mm. And I'm not saying Apple won't feel big time or Amazon won't feel big time eventually. Um, You know, that's what they're growing and that changes over time. But I still, I don't think you want to be on a streamer for a number of reasons. Um, but one is recruiting and just being in the national spotlight. I just don't think that's a good place to be. Yeah. Well, let's go to our next topic, which is uh, Apple uh, again and uh, Major League Soccer. And you got some uh, some new numbers for the uh, league pass that uh, Apple is selling re- regarding Major League Soccer. Yeah, we won't go along on this, but... Um... A MLS spokesperson told us that the the amount of season ticket holders that have the MLS season pass on Apple is 135,000. And so that number, you know, what we have heard was much bigger because it was it was thought to be season ticket holders, like each season ticket holder got season pass, but it was each account, according to MLS. So that was one. The other number that I found out is you said approaching um a million before Messi, I was told it was around 800,000, which I, I, I'll give you approaching a million. And probably mm. you would think with Messi has you know, moved it past a million, you would think. Um, but um, 
So yeah, so that that's just those are just some interesting numbers, especially if the Pac-12 uh, ends up, um, you know, if that if Apple is their the one that they're uh, they have a, you know they're trying to get a deal with. Well, the, the MLS is is certainly set up as as a. I mean, it's a 10 year test case, but it's a test case for Apple to see if they can build a business through sports. And uh, if if they are right around a million, which is the number that we're that we're, we are hearing, then, you know, th- that does speak well for for the Pac-12, if that's the route that the Pac-12 goes. All right. Now, you had a story. The CW is really getting the sports with a deal with NASCAR. John, what do you think? Uh, shocking. I was totally shocked by this, Andrew. Uh, the, the, the CW, uh, was the, the, uh, network that did the deal with live golf, um, back at the beginning of the year, which they paid no money for. And they were the only ones to sort of step up and, 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 uh, take live golf. And I thought that was sort of a one-off. I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, that they must, you know, need some programming. They just did a deal, uh, just last month. For the ACC, they're going to have about 50 ACC games, um, uh, football and basketball combined, uh, which is another that like it was a unique deal. It's a, it was not the biggest deal ever. Uh, well, now NASCAR is is out there looking to sell the uh, NASCAR uh, Cup, and then it has the Xfinity Series, which is sort of you know for the younger drivers. It's sort of like the second series, and that was for a time NASCAR was talking with uh, streamers and they, they had thought that maybe they would go exclusively to a streamer. Well, they turned around, the CW is paying about $115 million a year for the rights to this uh, to, to these races. So now you have NASCAR, college football and basketball and professional golf on the CW. And uh, it's it's not going after the, the top of the top. So mm-hmm. you, you, they're not going to be in the bidding for the NBA or, or, or major league baseball, but where they can find some, uh, some of these sort of lower tier sports that still bring in big audiences that, that, that Xfinity races get about a million viewers each, uh, right now on FS1 and, and, uh, USA network. Um, it's a, it's an interesting strategy and it shows that, uh, the CW and it shows that scripts and, and, and ion, uh, th- these, these companies that, when we we launched this uh, podcast, you know, the, uh, just about two years ago, we never even talked about them. We're going to start talking about them a lot more uh, frequently. Can they be the Orioles of sports TV? Like a mid-market <laughs> team that just comes up and all of a sudden we're talking about them all the time. Yeah, that was. So wait, does that mean Amazon's out of this picture with the NASCAR? Uh, no, it doesn't at all. So NASCAR is still uh, trying to sell its its big series. Fox and NBC are the front runners. They still have about six races, a mid-season package that they're trying to sell to a streamer. Amazon is still t- uh, talking there. I've heard different things about whether they're a front runner or not, uh, but they're, they're, they're still certainly, uh, they haven't said no to NASCAR and NASCAR hasn't said no to them. And then one more for me is the CW, will they do the production? Uh, NASCAR NASCAR is going to handle the production uh, through NASCAR Productions. Uh, the CW is going to be uh, responsible for hiring the talent. Oh, yeah. By the way, back to my Apple ESPN confab. Um, the, the Apple doesn't have all this production to do all this. And ESPN has all that production. As all of these networks do. So just another little tidbit there into that little thing. And that also applies for Amazon and, and others if they were to uh, make a partnership there. All right. Last thing before we go, ESPN Radio. Uh, you had something about, I had a little something about it, but you had a big something about it. Uh, Good Karma Brands, 
Uh, he's going to be handling the advertising. What does that mean to you? Greg, Craig Carmazin, good job for for him. He's uh, he, he launched about uh, 10 years ago with these little stations, uh, little radio stations in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. And he's grown to where he's now going to oversee all the operations and ad sales for all of ESPN radio. And if I, if I, if I think about where ESPN radio was, uh, you know, going back, how long do we have to go back when, um, you know, they had Mike and Mike as, as the morning show and they had a, you know, they had real radio people running it. Remember uh, Charles Keller, the, uh, the executive running it and um, Tim McCarthy and Tim McCarthy as as well, who are no longer there. And it's, uh, I I mentioned this earlier in the pod, but you know, what I'm seeing at ESPN is that they prioritize live rights like so much right now that radio and these radio shows are a little bit of an afterthought, but the, the live games on, on ESPN radio. Yeah. Those they'll, they'll still be sort of energized about that. So this is, you know, giving the operations and, and the ad sales to Craig Carmazin, who they're comfortable with. Cause he, he's been working with ESPN for about, you know, a decade. And uh, they, they see Craig as somebody that like, really is invested in the ESPN brand and is a, a, a sort of a good guardian of it on, on radio. Yeah. And I had a little, I had a story the other day, Mac, Pat McAfee, uh, they were thinking about trying to put him on from 12 to three. I don't know exactly why it's not going to happen, but at least not going to happen in this first year uh, with McAfee's not going to be on ESPN radio, uh, but uh, he will be everywhere else. And that will be interesting. So Andrew, it brings us to the end. Uh, a, a big getless uh, podcast uh, brings us to the end. Uh, Chris Mason, AC, where's Chris Mason? How, do, how did we let him get on vacation? I think once they revealed that there might be UFOs, he went to go look for them. <laughs> so we Mason's our master of the board usually, but now uh, master of uh, unidentified flying objects. <laughs> so we have uh, AC Wyatt is the master of the board this week. Uh, are we going to get the same amount of drops in, in the pod, AC? I mean, this question's asked in the past for something people are going to experience in the present. So I just owned you so bad. I was thinking the exact same thing. AC Wyatt, and also master of the quips. I was thinking the same thing. They just listened to the whole pod, so they already know the answer. All right, that's going to do it for us. You All right, yeah, we're, we're out of here. Right, Five stars. Five comments Five stars, reviews and if you follow <laughs> we appreciate it thanks everybody yeah thanks for listening um excuse me sorry three two and you're thinking like damn it sorry okay. i thought i had that shut off um three two and if you're in espn's executive office you got to be saying how many more people would we get to the uh, to watch the NBA finals if we switched out our uh, the... three. AC, two. this is his first, uh, and Ross, this is his first uh, time we've done I've never done this before. Is that Pat McAfee? That was that was actually a spam call. And the, my, the new spam calls, they call like two or three times in a row to try to trick you into picking up. It's the worst. Three, two. Hang on, I had a point. Yeah, I have a question today. too. AC, John keeps freezing on my end. I don't know if he's freezing on your end, but I don't know if that matters. I will say he never has sounded better than when he freezes, but um, (laughs) I just want to to make sure that I... uh, Andrew wants to make sure he gets a blooper in here with that one. That was a good one. (laughs) That's totally blooper.